Okay, I'm here with Mr. Yara Ani. He is a entrepreneur. He's a son. He's a father. He's a veteran. He's a whole lot of things. And I just want to get his story, his perspective. We talk about fathers and mentors a lot. And I want to know... Uh, tell us about your father and also the people who mentored you. I mean, just go in as much as you want and just take your time. Do you have a uh, specific question? Well, tell us uh, what what is how is mentoring uh, the word mentoring impacted you and what you do today? Mm. The word mentoring. Has an interest in the word. It's, it's there's a character from that particular Greek mythology named Mentor, and it has some uh, how do you say Romanistic qualities to it. Sure, that culture, uh, uh, right? The greco uh, Roman culture. So Mentor was charged with seeing after someone's son. There's some references that there was a relationship between mentor and son. And so as the word it's something for your, your listeners to look up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. The um, Greek reference to mentor. Uh, who is mentor in Greek mythology. And so I usually won't use uh, Okay, so what word hold on what's the word? And so it's a the word that I use is objective. J-E-G-N-A. Um, that really speaks to the spirit of what people are talking about when they say mentor. Sure, sure. Um, okay. A guide, uh, a guide to help a younger person or a less experienced person mm-hmm. along their their path. Um, so that's the word I'll, I'll typically if, if I even say that. Okay. More times than not, I use the word uh, brother. Okay. I'm your brother. Uh, sure. Above anything else. Uh, as a black African man, I'm a brother to another black African man, so a black African sister. Okay. So that's answer your question to the word. Sure. Now, also, but my question, how have, can you tell us about the people who have impacted you, who have helped you along the way, and uh, what you're doing today in different areas of your life also? Well, I've been fortunate. Um, I'm very fortunate. Very positive black men, black African men, who were doing their best at the time to be whole men, uh, complete, complete men. Okay. And it was usually about a uh, 10 year, an 80 difference, 10 year, my senior. Wow. Sometimes, uh, sometimes 20, 15 to 20 years, my senior. So I was just fortunate at it, at it uh, in my 20s to meet these brothers. And as a teenager, I played sports, but I didn't I didn't have that relationship with the coach as some people have. Like the coach being my father away from home. Sure, right. That strong, like, role, male role model. No, that was my experience with the coach. Okay. Um, 
So it's really black men who are trying to make a difference in what we call it the music that I look towards. Good, okay. And so that was, I really didn't see that until I got to college at all, honestly. Because they are, they are few and far between. Uh, true guys, true brothers in this, true brothers. Okay, um, in this journey of life. Men who, who help you because they see you need to help, not anything, not for anything in return. Okay, now um, you say you saw that in college? I was, I met a good, we're friends now. So okay. My, my very good friend now, he, he helped me through, figure out some things. Okay. And he was first, one of the first, I'll say, one of the first black men who did what he said he was going to do. Um, who had integrity, really, I'll say it that way. Sure. Okay. One of the first black men I, I met that had integrity. Wow. And, um, and so he walked, he walked the talk. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, he walked, and not in any kind of, there's some brothers on the, on, the, on the street, not that I'm a street dude, or a street guy, but growing up in the environment, you know some guys, they, they'll walk that talk on the street. Um, that's a different environment. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So in the nine, non-street environment, uh, he's one of one of few black men that I can remember that walked and talked. Okay, now you said street environment, can you kind of give us some type of uh, definition what you mean by that because violence and drugs. Okay, violence and drugs. Where did you, so tell us a little bit, I'm glad you said that, where uh, did you grow up at, things like that? And I was raised in Detroit, um, 78 to 95, I lived in Detroit, when okay. I was born in Philly. So what was life like in Detroit? In the 80s, everybody knows the history. No, they um, don't. <laughs> A lot of people are hearing this for the first time. Or, remember, they're not as young. So tell us a little bit about what you know. Detroit was, the, I mean, there's a TV show um um, forget the name of it. The Wire? No, not The Wire. It's, it's, uh, 50% did it. Mick Mills is starring in it. Um, they just had the movie White Boy Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. remember the uh, name of the TV show. Detroit was violence written, written oh, okay. in the 80s through the 90s. Uh, wow. Well, 70s through the 80s and part of the 90s. Detroit yeah. was one of the murder capitals, right? Yeah, I know they uh, said the I, same thing about Washington, D.C. also. It was one of the murder cameras. Yes. Uh, so these, these crack cocaine, crack. Oh, yes. Moves through Detroit. Young black men took the opportunity to sell that drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, get fast money in their pocket. Right. Killing each other, stealing from each other. Um, you blame it on who you blame it on, but still a decision was made to take the, uh, to take the drug, sell it to our own people, and... Today, we're seeing the repercussions, repercussions of those actions, and some of the um, some of the brothers who actually sold crack are actually um, uh, I say remorseful about this. Okay, the actions that they did in their as, as teenagers, really teenagers in the early twenties, gotcha. um, because you, you really so if a person sold crack in nineteen eighty five. 
as a 20 year old, 20 years later, they're 40. You're right. They have a child, they can very well have a child that's 20 years old. You're right. That child could be, could have mental disabilities because somebody sold the mother drugs. Yes. Some some black man sold a black woman drugs and she used them and got pregnant. Right. And the father didn't know that she was on drugs and the baby comes out with mental disabilities. Right. The mental so, system. And then you have, so that child has a child because they have mental disabilities. Uh, they're not able to function or we consider normally. Sure, right. Um, and it, it, it's, I won't say imperceptible, uh, but it's something's different. But you have this 20 year old, 25 year old, and now the daddy's, let's say the daddy's 50 now. Right. Uh-huh. So the, the child is 30. They have a child, so the grandbaby got problems. Mm. Because the mama has yeah, that's deep, and I'm glad you said it because a lot of times people don't look at it going that deep from generation to generation. Yeah. So it's the act. So you have to move to Detroit, like Detroit was a, was a, um, a city that was just rampant with violence during that period. And drug sales. Um, okay. I can't think of names of the shows they have But, did I answer your question? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, for you at that time, so I can imagine you saw a lot of things, and, uh... No, I actually didn't. Oh, okay, so, um, I actually didn't see. I heard about more, much more than what I saw. Gotcha, um, okay. I heard about much more than what I saw. I heard about people dying, and I never saw anybody get killed. hmm The, um... And I, I lived in a drug-ridden area, but... Work going to school and trying to have fun. Uh-huh. I didn't see a lot of what was going on. That wasn't my objective was to have fun with the women, with the girls at the time. Okay. Now did anyone ever approach you like on no. the crack? Okay, so I had the same like that. So there was a respect there or I don't know. You I just mean, missed I, it. I start off everything that unfortunately. Okay. okay. You know, and it's uh, um I wasn't looking to sell crack. Right, right, okay, yeah. I wasn't looking to sell crack. I was looking to sell drugs. I was looking to sell anything. I was looking to get money without having to run from the police, get shot at, yeah, or poison my people. Okay. So, and that's honorable. I like that. I like that. So, and I couldn't figure out how to convince my mother to accept it. <laughs> mm, okay. So if she she won't accept it, that means I have to run from her, lie from her. Yes. And so I'm I'm too straight. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean that's and that's powerful because you're in a a environment that may breed death, violence, whatever. But you made a choice. That's what it sounds like. You made a choice, and a lot of people think that hey, I'm in this environment. I had to be a product of it, but that's not necessarily true. It's the choices we make. Well, there's the broader environment, and then there's the, the home environment. Okay. Right? Um, that wasn't happening in my home. That wasn't acceptable in my home. Right. And no home that my mother took me to there was acceptable. Okay, good. Um, it wasn't even discussed. Um, mm. wasn't even played with. So, then you have the broader environment. Uh-huh. Um things are going 
Okay, so metal detectives at the school. You know, oh, wow. Shootings, guns at school, right? Um, you see all this stuff. Uh, again, your listeners simply need to Google Detroit, nineteen eighty to ninety eight. Okay, ninety eight. Wow. So let me ask you this: So compared that environment, that experience. Um, where's dad? What's your relationship with, with dad's father? My mother left my father when I was seven and a half. Okay. And he died when I was 13. Wow. So okay. I saw him between, between 78 and 83. Okay. 84. No 70. phone calls in between or anything? Or? I only saw him once. Okay. Talk maybe three times. Okay. Three times. So what is that? Two, five years? Yes. So we talk maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. Oh wow! I saw him once. Twice. Okay. Twice. Okay. That five year period. Now let me ask you this: Um, You have how many children do you have? Three. Okay. You have three children and. talking with you and a lot of people may not know this it, it appears to me that you are very serious and committed as a father what what is your why for being that way when you talk about your own father your life with him your experience with him well with children as parents have the ability to personalities that they want to see, right? As a parent, you have the opportunity to shape and mold the person. You can take the opportunity to shape and mold the person into what you want to see walking around the planet, or shape and mold the person into what you don't want to see, right? Meaning everything you do as a parent is going to have an effect on this little person. I wanted to provide for my children what my mother didn't provide for me, or my father didn't. Um, I felt that my mother was strict enough for me, and so I was stricter with my children my mother was me. No. Because I discovered benefits of the discipline. Right. Right? And so I, said, I saw people whose parents were strict, and the way they were able to better maneuver through the society now was because they had a certain level of discipline that I didn't have. Mm. And so my children, I instilled them as best I could, uh, a certain level of discipline. Um, that was the major thing with the, the, the presence uh, sure. as a father was, was keeping me. Okay. Stability as a father was keeping me. Um, and again, the, well not again, but the, to be more than just a disciplinarian, more than just a father who meets out punishment or gives money. Sure. Um, my job is to provide yes, but to also nurture you as my child, be it my male child or my female child. So if you be my son or my daughter, sure. my job is to nurture you along with your mother and to protect you and to uh, protect you and guide you as a man along your path. 
Okay, that's good. I understand that. What are your, um, whereas I didn't, my father died when I was 13. Yes, okay. So I didn't have that. True. My mother, two other children, three other children, full-time job. Uh Uh-huh. So the, the, the math doesn't add up. Right. I understand. It's a properly raised child. The math is the hours uh-huh. Uh, children shouldn't have to let themselves in the house uh, because the parent is at work. Right. The children shouldn't have to uh, uh, walk themselves mm-hmm. because the parent has to work. Gotcha. Uh, you know, that's the society we live in, that's right. Correct, yeah. And a lot of kids, you know, have faced that every single day. Right. So, once again, I wanted to correct something challenges that my parents had. Right. right. So I remember walking my, my children to school, uh, picking them up from school. Uh, again, fortunate to have children that were low maintenance. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so that's, uh, I, I, I like that. And the reason why I say I, I, I agree with what you said, a lot of times, I hear a lot of people make excuses. Some fathers have done that. Some mentors have done that. About, well, so-and-so was not here for me. And I used to hear one of my uh, mentors say, who went through the same situation where he had both parents in the house, but uh, father was an alcoholic, things like that. And he said basically he ended up raising himself. And he would never accept the that as an excuse of um, someone saying, well, hey, I didn't have this or that. His thing was, okay, you're here now. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. So I, I really uh, appreciate hearing another another father say that, you know, he made that decision. And, hey, it's a lifelong process. Let me ask you this question. I've never asked anyone this question on this topic. What um, what are some of the lessons learned, you would say, that you learned uh, where you're at now after from raising your children? What would you have done differently, uh, you know, that you didn't know out of ignorance? Uh, what are some of the two or three things you learned? Isaac? Yes. So I'm almost finished raising my last I would have allowed them to be more imaginative. Uh, this thing about I have to, they have to be realistic. They have to understand what reality is and set their goals, realistic goals. I would have allowed them to be more imaginative. Because the imagination is what creates your reality. Um, I, I always said that that was an error I made as a parent. Mm-hmm. Whatever I imagine, physically I can create, um, either artistically or practically. Either if it's artistically, I can paint, paint the sky green on a painting if I want to, and somebody might appreciate it and buy it. That could be my career, by the lifestyle sure. that I want. Right. Or I can create a, 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 a 
physical environment where the skies are purple and green. And rent it out as an escape review, right? As a, as a, what do you call it? Retreat center. Yes. Um, so one thing I would, I would do always would be to allow them to be more imaginative. Like how do we bring that into being? Right. Sure. Uh, great children, they're doing well, uh, the two older ones. Uh-huh. And um, that's one thing I would, I would change. Another thing I would change is, is to play with them more. Um, play now, with them more. Now, did you not play with them more because you were working, like you said, your mother was, or what? I would make time to play with Sure. Okay, I got you. I um, got you. We had our pillow fights and our, our lab times that we would joke around. But I would play with I have memories where my son asked me to play catch with my life and I'm yeah. tired. Sure. Or he asked me to play basketball with him. I don't play basketball every time I play basketball, I get hurt. Okay. And so but those are bonding moments that I missed out on. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, with my son. And Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we all have that. We all have that. So, and so, the children are so, so sensitive. Every, mm-hmm. yeah. everything counts with them. Oh, absolutely. Until they're adults. <laughs> yes, and I can attest for that myself. I, um, uh, missed opportunities, you know, um, too tired sometimes, things like that. And uh, I even say for myself, just uh, relaxing more and not trying to give them everything at one time. You know, it take, they can't take everything at one time. So um, you know, that's just one thing that even younger men will have to understand. Um, they'll get there, but <laughs> it didn't take us overnight to get there, so they'll get there. Well, yes, yeah. Well, that's where faith and patience comes in because you know we can't have them under our wing forever. They're gonna, you know, make their own mistakes. Wow. So I'm glad to hear that. You know, it's, as the father, things like that. Let's hit. Let's hit uh, this one final uh, point. Um. You say you've been mentored, fathering, things like that. What did you say? I didn't. You said you talked about your mentors. I talked about the black African men who were brothers. Yes, the brothers. Do. So, and, um, okay, right. Yep. So, what are some things that, uh, in this, uh, if I may say, your next chapter, of life that uh, you would you would uh, that you're striving to do, or even if you're going to be a brother to a younger man, what what give us some tips that you would tell him? Whatever age he is, 
understand that there's a there's a uh, process to life. So I, I'll answer the long way. In our twenties, we're in gathering information, and it appears that we're acting wild and don't have no sense, just acting crazy or whatever. Okay. That's really a process of, of human beings in gathering information. Okay. To be utilized in our thirties. In our 30s, we focus in on whatever it is that we're going to do. Had we not ingathered in our 20s, we would have nothing to focus in on, right? And so, so in our 30s, we spend time focusing and building. And build. Okay. 33 is the most intense year yes. um, that a person would have. Uh-huh. And I don't know why, as of yet. But if you talk to people, you ask what the most intense year they've had. Barring trauma or anything like that. Yes, yes. In your 40s, you're benefiting off of what you focused on in your 30s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now, in yes. your 50s, mm-hmm. you're dictating to other people what to do because you have a decade or two where it's worked. Whatever you were doing in your 30s has worked for at least a decade through your right. 40s. Okay. So you, you still want to help. You still want to be a brother to another black African man or to a sister, and you say, hey, do this, dictate. Right. Okay. Because I know it works. Stop asking me questions. I know it works. Mm-hmm. Do what I tell you. Right. And you look at people in their 50s, and you see they do a lot of dictating. Okay. I'm 51. Mm-hmm. And so, in your 60s, you're no longer dictating. You're helping guide. And you say, hey, young blood, come have a seat. Mm-hmm. Let me get you to some game. Right. I'm not telling you what to do, but you may want to consider doing this. Gotcha. So a 60-year-old man to a younger man is more of a guy. I don't have an accurate uh, bead on somebody in their 70s. Sure, I sure. haven't talked to enough 70-year-olds. Okay. But here's, the, now, but, but here's the additional piece. In your 20s, you have a lot of bounce back, right? You can take a lot of rejection. You can take a lot of no's. You could take a lot of disappointment in your 20s. Well, this generation is really sensitive, okay? And but they're still in their 20s. It's, yes, it's, I'm, it's I'm talking about in the 20s, okay. Natural. But they don't bounce back well. In your 30s, uh-huh. uh, what they bouncing back from, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about from rejection. What they bouncing back from? In their 30s, if they didn't, if they try to bring their 20s into their 30s, they're not focused. They're still in gathering. Okay. You still have bounce back in your 30s, but not quite as much. In your 40s, you don't have nearly the amount of recovery uh-huh. that you had in your 20s and 30s. So if you didn't do your in gathering in your 20s and you transferred to your 30s, you're trying to focus in your 40s. Yes, you're playing catch up. You're playing catch up. So you have to go through each stage of life. Even if you're accelerated, okay, there's still a tendency to want to do the stage. So if you find yourself in your 40s dictating, uh-huh. you'll find yourself in your 50s trying to chill out yes. and live off of what you did. Okay. Whereas you should really be dictated to people. Right, I got you, okay. Because um, you've mastered certain things like 50s. And so we have to go through each stage. Hmm. 
at the rate that each individual will go through, but you have to hit each stage. Sure, I got you. And so, so we're not going to skip the stage, period. You're going to go through it eventually. You cannot skip the stage. Okay. It's impossible. Uh, the, 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 there's a phrase, things cost what they cost. Sure. You have to pay the toll. Yeah, so in, in our development, those are the stages. Some people say the 12-year markers, 15-year markers, but there are stages in the American society. Okay, this is what I'm saying. So for black men, we spend too much time in game playing. Okay. We spend too much time taking in information. Right. And we don't spend, and we try to focus in our 40s. Okay. Where you don't have the energy required to do the necessary focus. Okay. Makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand as we get older, you know, it's like a, a window of time mm-hmm. that you're saying that we have before we execute. Um, mm-hmm. How, now if I'm talking to someone as you are, what do you tell them about that fear of executing? Because they can do all of their analysis. What fear? They don't need to be afraid. But people, that is a natural, uh, it is an emotion and it's a lot of, that is something that holds a lot of people back. So how do they deal with that? There's no reason to be afraid. I was, again, I'm fortunate. I was thrown into a swimming pool at around three years old. Is that about right? Sure. And y'all threw me in the pool? Okay, I remember placing you, yes. Gently inside yes. the shallow end. Exactly, <laughs> yes. And watch you walk and blossom and grow, yes. <laughs> but with that, it was it was determined, it was demonstrated that I can take being thrown in. Okay, right. We didn't have a counseling session and you didn't have to get any medication. Not everybody can be thrown head into it, right? Right, right. And so, what we discover is, over a majority of the time, people are making things more than what they are. Oh, absolutely. Right. Right, we're our own worst enemy, as they say. Either it's afraid for no good reason, or you think it's going to be greater than what it is. Mm Mm-hmm, yes. That happens. <laughs> We're our, our own worst enemy. So the, what I say to young men is deal with the thing as it is, not for what you want it to be. Okay. Wow. Deal with what's in front of you for what it is, mm-hmm. not for what you want it to be. Okay. Wow. That's good. That's good. So if you have $10, don't behave. As if you have a thousand dollars. Exactly. Okay. If you have one person in the world that you know cares about you, don't behave as if every name that you've ever spoken has your best interest at heart. Mm. Mm. That's good. And so if you if you have a job, mm-hmm. don't behave as if you own the place. Okay. And if you have a job, mm-hmm. don't behave as if that's your life's calling. Hmm. Deal, for, deal with the thing as if, for what it is, right. what you want it to be. Okay. Or imagine it to be. That's, that's my, my... 
And, and you know, that's, that's really good because also we have to understand that nothing is permanent. Things always change. Mm-hmm. And uh, change is inevitable. Mm-hmm. So if I, I call it, if I work today as if I'm preparing myself wherever I'll be at next. I may not know, but everything I do today is important because mm-hmm. it's preparing me for the next step, the next chapter in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a very good point you made. Okay, I'm going to ask you this final question. Hold on. So to, yes. to your point there, it's a, um, for several years I've, I've done a, uh, how do you say, um, Putting things in a different perspective, right? uh-huh. and making sure that I'm positive with the perspective, not overly positive, syrupy, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. So a person can beat themselves up. I made a mistake here. I made a mistake here. I made. Well, what you did is what you did because you can't change it. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. What did you learn from that situation? I agree. Yes, I'm learning that. Yeah. Take the lesson and leave the rest. Right. Yes. So there's no need to beat yourself up about it. You did what you did. Did you hurt anybody? No. Did you hurt yourself? No. Was it a catastrophic loss? No. What did you learn? X, Y, Z. Take that. Okay. Take that. Did you lose somebody? Yes. Take that. Sure. Unless people are not expendable. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you may never regain that experience with the person of that caliber again. Right. Except that. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the same time, open yourself up to the probability that you may. You don't know. Okay. But take the lesson that I can't treat people any kind of way and expect them to remain in my life. Oh, absolutely not. And then correct that character, character trait and then open yourself up to what you are deserving. Okay. You follow? Yes. And so it's not to harp on the negative. I made a mistake. And, and I get that, but that can also be flipped, whereas the love that you're giving out to someone, you still deserve love also. Correct. And if we don't learn to really love ourselves, it's very hard to love someone else because a lot of times people become people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very dangerous place to be because you can be taken advantage of, uh, live in frustration, mm-hmm. and one day just eventually explode, and we're blaming other people when there was something that we never dealt with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I agree where you say, hey, it happened, uh, live in the now. You don't live, if you have a hundred, if I got 10,000 and, you know, or I'm putting myself in more debt, that's really good uh, wisdom to pass on. Okay, here's the, my final question I was going to ask you. Uh, how old are you? 51. Okay, you're 51. What would the uh, 51-year-old say to the 21-year-old if you could go back in time and talk to him today? The 21-year-old? Yes. Um, 
finished college. Okay. Um, get your credentials. The um, get your credentials. Get your academic credentials. Um, get all your certs. Get that out of the way before you're thirty. Uh, once you get it, it's done. Yes. Yes. Um, you don't. You never have to revisit that. Uh, have to do so as a choice. Sure. Uh, that's what I would say to my 21 year old self. Okay. What, uh, what in college did you study? History. History. Education. Okay. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, so, I'll, I'll, I'll leave your, your listeners again with look up mentor in Greek mythology. Look up the word Jagna, J-E-G-N-A, and look up the word Ma'at, M-A-A-T, or the principle of Ma'at, mm-hmm. and the principle of Tehuti, T-E-H-U-T-I, or D-T-H-U-E-U-T-I. Um, those principles come out of two African cultures. Uh, Jagna, if I'm not mistaken, comes out of Ethiopia, as it's called, and Ma'at and Tehuti come out of uh, Kemet. Yeah, um, Egyptian. Ancient e- Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Prior to the conquest of Arabs, Romans, and Greeks. Because um, as you speak of manhood, uh, we have to understand that there's a complementary nature for everything. Let me rephrase it. There's a complementary relationship between everything and nature. Okay. There's a complementary relationship between everything and nature. And so men have their compliment, women have their compliment. Sure. Ma'at and Tahuti are sister and brother or husband and wife principles. They're complementary principles to each other. Okay. And so in this country, opposing forces are what's taught. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no compliment. They, they would say that opposites attract. Right. Right. Uh, uh, what is it? Murphy's law. Anything that can happen will happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they view that as in, in a negative sense. Right. And so, as a black African man, I am not at odds with black African women. Um, gotcha. If she finds herself at odds with me, it is my duty to to do my best effort to bring her back to her natural self, mm-hmm. if she will allow that. Sure. But as a black African man. I am not at odds with black African women. I compliment black African women. Exactly. Um, whether they know it or not. Right. Uh, and so that's, as a, as a black African man, I seek balance. I seek order. Mm-hmm. Um, I seek uh, to ensure that my word spoken is just as, as tangible as if it was written. Gotcha. Um, you can count on my work right. as a black African man. But we find these principles in our, in, in, they're fundamental with our people. Okay. Uh, from the earliest inceptions, written record that we have, the earliest inceptions of black African culture, uh, you find these principles. And the earliest inceptions of written black African culture to the highest point of black African culture. Okay. So that's what I'll leave the listeners with. Okay, that's good. Seek your culture for reference. Yes. Okay, and that's that's a good thing, and it's not a bad thing because, and we have been as Black Americans so Westernized 
that we don't even understand or sometimes even reject um, our mm. culture mm. and sometimes think that American westernized culture is the only culture mm-hmm. in the world when it is not. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that and um, appreciate you coming. My pleasure. All right. Take care. Mm-hmm.